This episode of Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. is Halloween Horror Month for the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And I'm Derek Diamond. I had some new music that I'm going to be playing all month long here for the intro of the show. Oh, that was too good. I enjoyed that. That's that's classic <laughs> Halloween stuff. Yes, right it there. is. I, 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 I captured a lot of music today that I'm going to be playing over the course of the month. Of course, uh, there's one that I actually have to see if it's in the public domain and Disney doesn't come and, uh, you know, destroy my house for using it. So I, I got to look that up first before I use it uh, later in the month. But uh, we're here. It's episode, uh, what, 55? And we're going to start talking about horror games for this entire month. Nothing but horror games. And what better way to kick the month off uh, than Derek got a Super Nintendo Classic, and it's got the game that we're going to be talking about tonight, but we'll save that for later. Derek, how was your week, my friend? Well, it was very busy, and uh, it was kind of rewarding, actually. I've been out of town most of the week. I was in Greenville, South Carolina for a work event. I was there uh, Tuesday until early Friday morning. I had an obnoxiously early flight Friday morning. I had to my flight from Greenville to Atlanta was at 5:45 in the morning. Ooh. And then yeah, so that it was mean you awful. had to get there at like 4. Yeah. <laughs> oh. There there's a there's a picture I'll send you I when I went in the airport, there was nobody in there. Oh, I'm sure. No lie, I was the only person in the entire airport. Oh, I remember back in It was 04, scary. I had a flight to Seattle that we left the flight left at six o'clock. So we had to get to, at the airport at like three 30 in the morning. It was awful. Like I, yeah. I couldn't imagine having to do that all the time. It just, that just, and that was right after like the whole nine 11 business. So like, it was really like for the, I was the guy that was constantly getting pulled to the side to get checked. So I'm like, I made sure to wear like my goofiest underwear and all that kind of stuff. So I'm wearing like goofy <laughs> boxer shorts and stuff like that. So just to make it fun for them, you know. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> but when I got off the plane, I went to Best Buy mm. and I was able to acquire a Super Nintendo Classic. Yes. People... I will say it was it was handled much better, oh, at least yeah. from my personal experience. It was handled way, way better than the the NES. There were still limited supply, but mm. everybody that was in line got one. Yeah. Which well, I thought was a cool thing. You know, and I was hearing cuz a friend of mine went to Target and got one and he was I think they had like 50 to 60 in stock. I think the Walmart here had 50. 
Yeah. Best Buy had 50. So I think that might have been you that texted me that about each store having that many. Cause I know somebody else did too, saying like the local Best Buy had like 36 of them or something like that. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, a lot of people were sending me pictures, you know, saying, look what I got. And they're like, did you get one? And I'm like, no, I can't really get one this week. I had to actually pay for some other things I had to get first. Uh, I had to get some new headshots and stuff because, like we talked about before, I just got a new agent, so I had to get new headshots. Yep. I had to pay for that, and I do have money saved, but that's what we call our emergency fund. And I can't really justify the Super Nintendo Classic as being a, you know, an emergency purchase. So I'm gonna have to yeah. wait until next week. Hopefully, they'll have some more. Well, for those who have the NES, the menu is pretty much exactly the same as the the NES Classic for the SNES. You just scroll through, you select your game, uh, you can uh, set saving points, uh, which is really cool for those that, you know, even if it does have a saving point, if you're at a certain area that you want to pick up exactly where you've left off, That's you have awesome. the option to do that. Uh, plays great. Um, I know the the Wii Classic controller works with it. And it allows easy access between the game and the home button. Because the, the one of the few gripes I have about it is if you want to go back to the main menu, you have to get up and hit the reset button to go back to the main menu, which yeah. that, that's what I call a first world problem. Yeah. So, <laughs> that, <laughs> um, But I, I've, I've played through a few of the games, you know, one that I'll be reviewing tonight, but I've played through a little bit of Mario World you know, Link to the Past, the like, like the the classics you can yeah. think of with the SNES. It it plays great. I I really enjoy it. Um, I'm hoping that Nintendo does get uh, more back in stock um, fairly soon. I'm sure they will before Christmas. At least I yeah. would hope they would. But all in all, you know, I I'm really enjoying it. It was it was definitely worth the eighty bucks. Oh yeah, I can't wait to get one. I really do hope they have more next weekend when I have a little bit more cash. But uh... But yeah, I'm getting one as soon as I can get my hands on one. That that's a definite purchase. Another thing I will say is the <clears throat> the one of the gripes a lot of people had with the NES was the controller, the cable was like this long. Yeah. <laughs> the SNES one is slightly longer. Yeah. So you you have you need to invest in the extension cable, but you know, other than that, I I, I really enjoy it. And, and real quick before we move on to the other story. I did finally download and play Sonic Mania. I'd got it for the Switch, and I absolutely love it. It's a perfect throwback to the old Sonic games. Uh, I posted a little video on our Instagram uh, if people want to see what the gameplay is like, but it, it plays exactly like the old games. Uh, the graphics are pretty much the same as a Genesis. You know, the, the sprites are a little improved and the colors are a little brighter. Uh, but it's a nice mix of old uh, levels from Sonic One, Two, and Three, as well as some original ones. So, yeah, I saw your. If you're video. a Sonic fan, yeah. definitely get it. I would love to get my hands on that as soon as I get a Switch. I, I'm going to go so crazy when I get a Switch later <laughs> this year. Um, and it's but, only twenty bucks. Oh wow! And I, yeah, so I've been seeing a lot of videos of that game Cuphead we talked about a lot um, a couple of weeks ago too. Mm -hmm. Really wish that they would release that on the PlayStation Store really do but i don't think yeah. ever will because i think it's a microsoft company that's publishing it so don't it think is. that'll ever happen and i really don't want to play that on computer because i don't think uh because i have the game on a mac and it's not easy for me to be able to hook up a controller 
to my computer. So it, I don't think that's the kind of game that would be fun to play with keyboard and mouse. So, yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, I've been hearing great things about Cuphead. I would love to play it, but I do not own an Xbox. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not going to buy one just for that game. So. No. No. <laughs> but uh, I'll borrow a friend's one day oh, and, yeah. and then play it. Uh, actually, this weekend, uh, for anybody that likes retro horror movies and things like that, uh, I actually went to New Orleans Friday night with some friends of mine, and we saw Suspiria, which is a 70s uh, Italian horror film. And they just did a 4K restoration of it. They uh, they found a really nice print of the movie uh, a couple of years ago that was preserved. So they, they went back and they cleaned it up and, like, if you have a chance to see this movie, because uh, they're about to do a Blu-ray release of it, and they were doing a big thing over this weekend at the Pritania Theater in New Orleans uh, for the movie Suspiria, and they had such an awesome sound system, and you know the 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 movie itself looks so good, um, and it's just it's filmmaking, like it is film making at its finest you know the the acting's not that great but the movie itself like the actual shots in the movie the sound in the movie they they had the sound cranked in this theater and just go on like youtube and look up the music for suspiria it's by a band called goblin and it is so creepy and just atmospheric and if you get a chance to see the movie if it's playing anywhere near you in the next couple of weeks, please go check it out. I implore you to go check it out, especially if you've never seen it before. It's definitely like it's a complete assault on the senses. So I, I would definitely I would highly recommend going to see that movie in a theater, especially with people that know the movie, too, because, I mean, it's it's so badly acted at points that it's just you can't help but laugh. But it's weird because the movie is so well made. You don't care about the bad acting. Yeah. But it's but awesome. I've never seen it, but hopefully I'll get to check it out. Yeah, you should. Even if you get to see just the Blu-ray version of it, I would definitely see it at some point in your life. If you're a, a movie fan, I mean, just a movie fan in general, you need to see that movie. Sweet. And, uh, but I got to hang out with some of the uh, my old... Uh, friends from Monsters Anonymous, we all got to hang out yesterday for lunch, so that was nice. Got to hang out with Dusty the Mummy and uh, a couple of the zombies and our behind-the-scenes photographer. So it, it was a really good day, um, really good weekend, and uh, I was really tired all day today, so I'm not looking forward to going back to work tomorrow. Yeah, same here. But uh, well, let's go ahead and move into the news for this week. Oh, wrong one. <laughs> well, we already talked about the SNES a bit and Derek's, uh, his, his, um, not little mini review of it and his, you know, what he thinks about it. So we'll go ahead and talk about this story. The, uh, the only other story I have for tonight, this literally blew up my news feed yesterday and i'm like well i guess we're talking about this uh the miniature commodore 64 is on its way <laughs> so uh and this is actually at gizmodo.com uh let's see let me get where it's uh like the mini like nintendo's miniaturized nes and snes the c64 mini is what they're calling it is a shrunken 
plug-and-play system that connects to modern TVs with a single HDMI cable, providing a better on-screen image using pixel filters that can also emulate the look of a fuzzy CRT TV. If you miss the days at having to squint to read the screen. Uh, finding great or just good games for the Commodore 64 was always a hit or miss affair, and so many of the titles were terrible copies or sloppy ports of games from other systems, but the makers of the C64 Mini claim, claim that they have managed to bundle up 64 titles for the tiny system with notable classics, classics like California Games and Chips Challenge immediately catching their eye. They're no Super Mario World or F-Zero, but they're enough to rekindle fond, frustrated memories of your childhood. And for 70 bucks, it will come with a single joystick controller, and you can connect a second one using one of the console's two included USB ports, or you can plug in a full QWERTY keyboard. So what do you think about the Commodore 64? This is actually kind of intriguing to me because my first computer was a Commodore 64, and I learned to kind of do, you know, rudimentary, uh, you know, coding to create my own games when I was a kid. I would never want to go back to have to do that again to, to code my own games. But this is really interesting to play, to be able to play the games that you could actually buy for the Commodore 64. The first thing that jumped out to me about this article was the title says, I'll take this miniature Commodore 64 over a tiny SNES any day. <laughs> but he goes on to say finding great or good games was always hit or miss. Yeah. And these games are no Super Mario World or F-Zero. Well, if you're saying that, why would you prefer this over the SNES Classic? But that being said, I never played the Commodore 64. I didn't grow up with it, so... I don't really have the sentimental attachment to it yeah. that other people might have. I do think it's it's intriguing and it's good that they're doing it because with you know the Nintendo's miniature classic consoles and now we've got a Genesis one coming out and now we've got this Commodore 64 coming out. I mean, I, I think it's good timing to yeah. do for sure. I, just don't I, know I doubt it, that I'll pick one up, but yeah, I just don't know if it's going to have the 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 legs or the the interest that the NES yeah. or Super Nintendo would have because not a lot of people had the Commodore 64. I mean, I know a lot of people did, but I just don't think people are as nostalgic about it as they are like the Nintendo systems. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. I, I Like I said, I think it's good that they're at least attempting it because they can cash in on some of the hype with, you know, the N mini Nintendo and the mini Sega that we've talked about previously. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Well, it says, uh, when will the C64 Mini be available? A launch date hasn't been uh, specified, which is a bit concerning. The console's creators, Retro Games Limited, appear to be the same people behind a clone of the Commodore 64 that hit the crowdfunding site Indiegogo a few years ago. That hardware venture, the 64, hasn't shipped to backers yet, despite a promised delivery date of December 2016, and the updates to that project seem to indicate that it won't ship until after the C64 Mini does, assuming it successfully manages to make its way into the hands of consumers eventually. So if this is something that's just straight, uh, that you could only get off of uh, Indiegogo, and this is not something that's going to be readily available, say, in like Best Buy or, you know, alongside the, the Sega uh, consoles and Intellivision consoles, you can get it like, you know, your local CVS 
Like, I, yeah. I don't know if I would put money behind this until I actually saw it on a shelf somewhere. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. But that's going to do it for the news this week. Let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. And I'll let you take the first one, Derek. In October of 1981, Frogger is distributed in North America by Sega Gremlin. Who doesn't love Frogger? Oh, yeah, Frogger's, Frogger's classic. <laughs> Actually, on my Fire Stick, there's a game that's a Frogger clone, and now I can't remember the name of it uh, right off the top of my head. But Frogger, it was one of my favorite games as a kid. That was the game that I absolutely had to have for my Atari. And I think that, that between that, Pitfall and Miss Pac-Man were my three favorite games for the Atari. I remember being introduced to Frogger when they ported it over to the original Game Boy. Mm-hmm. And I played the mess out of Frogger back yeah. in the day. Such you know, it's, a it's, fun game. it's so simple, but it's so addicting and fun. I mean, we've talked about like the Dr. Mario's, mm-hmm. the games that, you know, the gameplay is simple, but it's just addicting and fun. And that's what Frogger is. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Uh, also in October of 1981, and trust me, we got a lot coming up for 1985 here in just a minute because 1985 was jammed full of stuff. Uh, yeah. Still in October of 1981, Sega releases Turbo, a racing game for the VCO object that features a third-person perspective, rear-view racer format. Now, this is uh, one of the few Sega arcade games that I've never really heard of. I can't say I've really heard of this one either. Probably seen. I'm it, not even sure. I'm not even sure what the VCO object is. Yeah, me neither. I've never heard of that, but uh, there's no link, so I don't have time to go look for it right now. <laughs> yeah, same thing with this story here. In October 21st, 1981, Williams Electronics releases Stargate, the sequel to Defender. I do. Remember Does this have this anything game. to do with the show? No, this is way before the movie Stargate. Uh, uh, the people that made Defender, Defender was the the granddaddy of the side-scrolling shooters because you could, it did a lot of things that you could not do before. Like it had, you could go left or right, you know, backwards and forwards. Uh, you had to actually save the people uh, before they hit the ground, you know, that the, the aliens were picking up off the ground. Um, it was just a really innovative game. And then they put out the second game, Stargate, which was... A little more complicated and not quite as user-friendly as Defender was, but it still goes down as as a lot of people, you know, love Stargate. The people that really love it, like, really, really love it. So, um, I think it was just one of those games that was a little too far ahead of its time. Yeah. But uh, let's see. Now now we're starting 1985. Here we go. Get ready, folks. Strap in. In October of 1985, Sega releases Space Harrier by Yu Suzuki and AM2. It further develops the pseudo 3D superscaler sprite scaling graphics of Hang On and features an analog flight stick for movement with the ability to register movement in any direction as well as measure the degree of push which you could move the player character at different speeds depending on how far the stick is pushed in a certain direction. I really liked Space Harrier when I was a kid. I wasn't too much of a fan of it when it hit the uh, the, the home console. I don't think I ever really played it. I might have played it on a like a store, um, you know, demo. But as far as yeah. Space Harrier in the arcade, 
that game was fun. It looks fun. I never played it, uh, but I'm looking at a couple of screen caps here, and it, it definitely has that arcade, like 80s arcade feel to it. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'd love to. I'd love to look up some some video of this to check it out. And, and I love the uh, on the Wikipedia. There's the European arcade flyer. Mm-hmm. It look it looks like it looks like you cross like a medieval setting in Tron. <laughs> uh, let me look at. Oh yeah, yep. There, there are definitely a lot of Tron influence in uh, in the uh, the the art for video game, uh, you know, arcade video games back in the, uh, in the eighties. And matter of fact, this looks a lot like the choose your adventure book. I found a while back that I, I actually put it up on our Instagram page, which is still up there. If you, if you look back through our pictures, but this looks like it might be the same artist. Could be maybe. But also in October 1985, Atari Games releases Gauntlet. Based on the lesser-known Atari 8-bit game Dandy, Gauntlet is highly profitable, letting players insert additional quarters for more health. That's a cool concept. Yeah. I liked Gauntlet. It it didn't quite translate well when uh, I had the Tengen version uh, on uh, the NES, and it was not that great. But the, the actual arcade version was awesome. Yeah, I've I'm not gonna lie, I've never heard of this game before. Uh, I'm sure but it you sounds had cool. to have played Gauntlet at some point. It's the it's like a top down dungeon crawler. It's it's the granddaddy of dungeon crawlers. Where you, you get to play as an elf, uh, a wizard, a warrior, and what else? Uh a Valkyrie. Yeah, because I, I remember all um, there's another show I listened to where they actually clipped the 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 voice um, part of this game with like Valkyrie needs food badly, <laughs> and then you like pump in another quarter, and your your health goes back up to full. Yeah, I'm looking at screen caps of it. Yeah, this does look familiar. I I know I never played it, but the I do recognize some of this. Yeah, this is definitely a classic. Uh, everyone has played Gauntlet. I'm sure you have at some point. Maybe I have. I just can't remember. And I'm here getting we old. go with uh, our our beloved system. The Nintendo Entertainment System was released on October 18th. The export version of the Famicom is launched for a limited test market in the United States, which was New York, along with the Rob Robotic Operating Buddy Peripheral, which um, the reason they used they had Rob was because of the video game crash of 1983. Um, the, um, they were afraid that the American public would not be so readily uh, ready to jump back into a home console market. So what they mm-hmm. did was, was they were very, very smart. Um, and Howard Phillips was, uh, was, was part of this as well, where they marketed it as a toy and not as a video game system. They that's why uh, hence why they called it the Nintendo Entertainment System. And that's the reason why it looks like a VCR. They didn't want people to associate this with video games. That's interesting. I had no idea that was the case. And of course then, you know, Super Mario Brothers came out and just pretty much just 
that's all she wrote for the last 30, what, 32 years? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, that's, uh, it's crazy to think it's been, that's, what, 32 years? Yep, 32 years uh, since the, the launch of the Nintendo Entertainment System. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> and to close out this month in video game history, on October 20th, 1985, the Sega Mark III home video game console is launched in Japan. And if I'm not mistaken, isn't the Mark III the actual, uh, uh, what they called the Master System in America, or was it the Master System after? the? Th nope, that's it. Yeah, it's the Sega Mark III. I knew that was the mm -hmm. same. It just looks different from America. Uh, in the American, oh, it looks version. way different. Yeah. So yeah, that, sweet. Uh, yeah, th that that's it. That closes us out for uh, this month in video game history. And for right now, before we go into our review for the night, I'm gonna let Derek tell you about books on tape. <laughs> on tape. <laughs> so for you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Now, I will say, uh, my personal recommendation, I'll say because I'm starting to kind of get back into the Star Wars mode again, I'm going to say uh, Star Wars Bloodline. I know I've recommended that in the past, but I will say that's going to be my recommendation for the week. Also, uh, Star Wars Leia is available. I think the Phasma book is either out or about to come out very soon. And at the beginning of November, we will get The Legends of Luke Skywalker to finally wow. fill in some of the gaps as to what he's been doing well, it's about since damn time. Uh, Return of the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> I know in every, in every book it's like oh he's off doing Jedi yeah. stuff. He's off doing like, Luke uh, stuff. He's he's at Tashi yeah. station picking up power converters. <laughs> he's he's on a deserted island pouting. Uh I want to recommend one thing. I still haven't listened to it yet because I I haven't listened to any audiobooks lately because <laughs> I've been kind of off the radar just listening to podcasts and stuff. But uh we did get to talk to Tom Merritt again. Uh, which was yes, on the we Eric did. Diamond experience experience this last week, which was a really, really good episode. I actually listened to it the other morning. I usually, I usually don't listen to shows with me on it because I don't look like listening to myself. But that was a good episode. I I listened to it and enjoyed it a lot. So our friend Tom Merritt has a book on Audible called Pilot X, which I am going to recommend this week, and I am going to listen to it as soon as possible. Absolutely. Check that one out as well. And to do that, just to uh, go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave to get your free audiobook download and 30-day free trial. And this week, we're going to be talking about... Super Ghouls and Ghosts. Derek, tell us about Super Ghouls and Ghosts this week. So this is actually a game that I missed out on when it came out back in the day for the Super Nintendo. 
The only memory I have of it, and I don't know if you remember this show, Jason, but some of uh, you know the people who grew up in the 90s might. Do you remember an old game show that used to be on Nickelodeon called Nick Arcade? Yeah, I do. I I don't I know I watched it a few times, but I don't really remember what it was about though. Really the concept of it long story short was you had uh two teams with two kids each and they would basically play video games and try to beat each other's score and there were some other things involved with it as well but the main part I remember was they got to they had a choice of like 12 games they could play from and they were mostly Super Nintendo and Genesis games and I remember when I first heard that this was going to be on the SNES Classic the first thing I thought of was Nick Arcade because I remember watching that uh, watching these kids play this game on that show and it looked extremely hard. Oh, it is. So, <laughs> so, you know, I, I missed out on it, but whenever I saw that it was going to be on the SNES classic, I said to myself, that's going to be the first like new game I play, you know, new in quotations that I never played for the SNES. I'll say long story short about this game. It's fun but it is frustratingly hard. <laughs> After 10 minutes, I turned the system off. <laughs> That's how frustrated I was with this game because I just kept getting mutilated by zombies, by dragons that would shoot out of the ground, get washed away by waterfalls. It was, oh, I, I just, you know, Sarah was sitting on the couch watching me play and I was like, I, I've got to stop. I've just got to take a breather and I'll come back to it. But uh, the game is fun. You know, it, it's it's your it's your typical platformer. It's kind of got your medieval slash, uh, you know, undead zombie type stuff. And uh, to tell a little bit about the plot of the game, or actually first I'll say about the game itself, Super Ghouls and Ghosts is a side-scrolling platform game developed and published by Capcom and released for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System in 1991. It is the third game in the Ghosts and Goblins series. Uh, it was included in the video game compilation Capcom Generations Chronicles of Arthur for PlayStation and Sega Saturn. Uh, it was also remade for the Game Boy Advance, uh, Wii and Wii U virtual consoles, and then, of course, it was re-released in September as part of the company's Super NES Classic Edition. And as far as the plot of the game goes, the player takes the role of the knight Arthur who must once again rescue the princess from demons. You think he the antagonist the first time. <laughs> I know it's, it's like we're getting into Princess Peach territory here. <laughs> the antagonist this time is the Emperor Sardius. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that name right. Who has kidnapped the princess in order to obtain the whereabouts of the goddess's bracelet, the only weapon capable of destroying him. After making it to his castle, Arthur must return to the beginning where the princess hid the bracelet in order to destroy him permanently. After repeating his journey. Oh my God, that sounds awful. Ah. Uh, I didn't know you had to go back to the beginning. Yeah. Ugh. It's the same with uh, Ghosts and Goblins that I talked about last year for our October month. Um, you beat the game and you got to go through all over again for a second time. So they used to do insidious shit like that back in the day to stretch out the gameplay. <laughs> You'd have to go through the game all over again in order to get the true ending to the game. 
Well, you know, what's funny is at the beginning of the first level, they show the, you know, they scroll over the map to show like how many levels there are. And then they show the castle. And I was like, well, this game really doesn't seem that long. But now I know it, it, it's longer. <laughs> but I, I was, I'll say the the limited time, of course, I have not beaten this game because I played it for the first time two days ago. But I will say the concept of it, I really, really like. You know, I love I've always had a fascination for medieval settings. And I think that's why, you know, I love Zelda at such an early age is because I grew up on that and then watching, you know, medieval type stuff and doing research when I was in school and everything. I, I've always been fascinated by like the King Arthur era. And then, um, you know, obviously throwing in zombies in there who doesn't love zombies who doesn't love dragons and other things like that well it's the perfect um, game to play for especially the month of october with halloween and everything you know it's just it's the perfect setting and the perfect like you know this is this is not an easy game like i you know to be totally honest i probably haven't played this game in easily two decades but I have played the the Nintendo version of it, the, the Ghosts and Goblins. Uh, I really want to play this, and uh, you know, when I get my Super Nintendo Classic, I will be playing this game. But I remember very vividly how freaking hard this game is. So, you yeah. know, if you want that that challenge and that that Halloween feel, you know, it's the perfect game to play for the month of October. I'll make a confession. I played through a few times and just kept dying and dying and dying. So I feel ashamed as a gamer to say this, but I feel like I have to be honest. I put it on beginner mode <laughs> and still struggled to beat the first level. I do. Do it's, not do not feel bad <laughs> at all. Like you do not lose any gamer cred because this game, the, I, I'm telling you, it's. It, it's it was still difficult made. in beginner mode. Yeah, it was made to be that brutal. It, it's it's awful, but it's so fun <laughs> at the same time. Like it, it makes me angry to the point where I want to keep playing it mm -hmm. until I beat it. But uh, to go a little bit more into the gameplay, um, obviously you play as the knight Arthur. You start out with a suit of armor, and you have different weapons you can collect and use you have you know your swords that you throw they're, they're all projectiles yeah you have your sword you have a javelin uh you've got a bow and arrow which uh, if you don't have like the powered up version i can't stand it because you can't really hit anything with it mm -hmm. um my favorite though is probably the the torch where you throw flames and they just yeah. go across the across the ground um i think that's you get pretty much the best weapon in all of the uh the ghouls and ghosts or ghosts and goblins whatever you want to call it that that series yeah. of games i think that's pretty much the best weapon to use the javelin is pretty cool too i, I yeah. like the powered up version but you start out uh you have just a normal suit of armor and you can upgrade it up to three times you have the bronze version then you have a gold version and then your last upgrade is you basically have a, a bigger shield and it protects you from hits because it, any other armor you wear, if you get hit once, it's just Arthur and his boxer shorts. And then obviously if you get hit again, you turn into a pile of uh, bones and a skull. Yeah. But like I said, the, the gameplay is, is not that complicated. I mean, it's your typical platformer. You kill enemies, jump on top of things, collect treasures. 
Uh, the the plot is really cool. It, it sounds like I feel like I say this about a few games, but this would make probably a decent like Netflix series, or like they could try the animated thing like they did with Castlevania. That would because be I could idea. see v- very easily you you're combining two popular source materials. Yeah, with your medieval and your zombies. You know, why Why not do, if you can even just call it Ghosts and Goblins, just do like a four-episode run like you did with Castlevania. And I, I think that's that wouldn't be a terrible thing to do with a lot of things because you're not really risking anything by doing that. Yeah, I think you could add a lot more humor in, too, if you, if you were to do this game as a Netflix series. And this yeah. would be one that you could kind of get away with only doing like a four episode run or like a six episode run. And then that just be kind of the whole thing. But something like Castlevania, you could keep, you know, you got so many stories you can tell with, because it has, you know, so many characters and different Belmonts that you can go through. But as far as this one goes, you could actually do it, you know, the, the anime style, but, you know, throw in a lot of humor with it too. Yeah, Absolutely. And as far as the reception of the game goes, it doesn't really give any reviews, but it says as of June 30th, the SNES version has sold 1.09 million units since its release in October 1991, wow. making it Capcom's 75th best-selling game of all time. <laughs> well, 75th, but they've how many games have they put out? <laughs> yeah, Capcom's made quite a few games in yeah. their day. Actually, Capcom was the probably one of the best publishers in the 80s and 90s. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, a lot of their games, especially this one and uh, Ghosts and Goblins, if you can go back and listen to my review of that last year, these games are just brutal, brutally yes. hard. And I wanted to ask you for this one because it has been so long since I played this one. Are they as stingy with the power-ups as they are in the the NES version of the game? Because once you um, get your armor knocked off in the first game, you're pretty much just screwed for the rest of the level. When it comes to armor, yes, they are pretty stingy. Like in the first level, you can get an armor upgrade like right at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. But again, if it's anything other than the ultimate upgrade if you get hit once it's all knocked off yeah the the weapons are you can find those fairly common but the armor is pretty stingy like if you get it knocked off once you're you're pretty much screwed and see that that should be something like if you were to put it on easy mode you should be able to get hit at least twice with your armor yeah that would help out a little bit you know now with easy mode you should just start out with the gold armor Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, cause, but I understand that these are, you know, these games are ports of arcade games and the whole point of arcade games is to get you to keep pumping in quarters. So these games are way harder than they need to be. And they're designed that way to keep you from putting to, to keep you putting quarters in the machine. But come on, man, when you're doing these ports to the home system, you don't have to keep it that hard or at least, you know, the, one of the good things about the game is it's pretty much unlimited continues. You know, it's not like you, yeah. you have three continues and then you're done because they know that you're going to die a billion times before you get to the end of the game. And then yeah. you get to the end of the game. Guess what? 
that's not the real ending of the game. You got to go through this thing all over again. So apparently these developers hated us when we were kids and wanted to torture us. The early signs of trolling. <laughs> exactly. But you know what? It made us grow up to be very stout uh, adults to be able to yes. handle handle failure <laughs> better than most. No, absolutely. But no, I mean, it's tough. <clears throat> it's tough to give a number review just because my time with this game is very limited. I mean, it's ridiculously hard. That That's the point I think that we've really hit home. But the the gameplay and the concept of it, I actually think is really fun. So my my very early review, I would probably give it like a seven because I think the difficulty is a little bit admirable. Yeah, <laughs> but but frustrating at times. But that's a word for you know, the, it. <laughs> the the, the, con, the concept of it and the story I think is 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 good. So that that's my review slash uh, early impressions of Super Goals and Ghosts. Awesome. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I was really really interested to see what you were going to say about it because let me tell you. Last year when I, I was playing the hell out of Ghosts and Goblins, I never finished it. And even if I yeah. did get to the end and I, you know, know, even knowing that I would have had to go through it all again, even just getting to the end, I would have stopped right there because there's no way I could have sat and gone through that whole game again and not being, you know, not gotten driven crazy. There's no yeah. way I'm too old for that shit. <laughs> 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 you know, like, I, yeah, don't get me wrong. I think you're, you're totally right. I think it deserves a seven. And it, it's the perfect game. One of the perfect games you can play for the month of of October. Absolutely. And in two weeks, my next review will be a game that's also for the SNES Classic, uh, Super <clears throat> Castlevania Four. Yes, I can't wait to hear that one. It has been a long time since I played that game as well. Um, and actually, next week, I am going to be uh, a game that I actually finished one of the very few NES games that I could actually finish. And I actually finished this. The, the, I actually got it last week, and I beat it a few days later. Shadowgate for the NES I will be talking about. Um, but I will tell the truth. I did cheat because I used a, a walkthrough <laughs> to actually finish the game because I knew if I didn't have a walkthrough or at least some help, there's no way in hell I could have finished that game. There's just way too much going on. And, you know, it's just one of the, it's one of those point and click adventure games where there's stuff in that game that people have figured out to get advance through the game that I'm like, there's no way in hell I would have figured this out. <laughs> like, who does this? So we'll talk about that next week. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Absolutely. But is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we get out of here tonight? Uh, no, just be sure to check out uh, the podcasting roundtable uh, this past week's episode of the Derek Diamond Experience, as we mentioned, with uh, Jason Robbins and Tom Merritt. One of the most fun roundtables that I've done in my entire show's history. It was great. I, I actually learned quite a bit oh, it was uh, so just fun. listening to both of you talk. <laughs> oh, and uh, another thing I wanted to tell people uh, before I, I plug my stuff, I actually had to... Um, uh, there's going to be a little bit of a lesser quality to the audio of the shows because I was doing, 
you know, higher bit rates and stuff, trying to make the show sound better. But the problem is the files were so big, I was running out of room <laughs> for the month. So I'm going to have to go back down to the, the smaller bit rates. So it's going to be a little less audio quality, but the show is still going to be, you know, the show. I don't think you're really going to notice it all that much. But I, if anybody out there does notice a slight audio change in quality of the show, that's why. So um, if we do want to do, you know, higher quality shows like that, then we're going to need more space. So we're going to have to start a, uh, a uh, Patreon or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, actually, if you would like to listen to the Pop Culture Palette, um, we talked with Matt Westphalen from the Do It Doug podcast this last week, and he was also the bearded zombie in Monsters Anonymous. And we talked a lot about some uh, behind the scenes antics and things like that. So I would recommend that episode. Just head over to at PCP show on Twitter and PCPradio.com. Um, other than that, I think that's going to do it for this week. What do you say? Let's do it. All right, let me turn on our music here. And if you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're on nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. And you can follow us individually on Twitter at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. And we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. So Derek, tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. Spooky! You've been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.